0: Welcome to The Bruce Siski Show. Follow The Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to The Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL.
1: It is a Monday, 10-11 our time. Hope you had a good weekend. It is the 19th of February, 2024. Bruce Siski show here on KDAL. Uh We'll be chatting with the head coach of the Proctor-Hermantown Mirage, state-bound for a fourth straight year. Emma Stauber joins us. In roughly 25 minutes' time, uh, they get warrowed in the quarterfinal round of the state tournament Wednesday in St. Paul. We'll talk about their season up to this point. Their section final win last week over to Luke Marshall and look ahead to the matchup with the Warriors on Wednesday night, the last game of the day in St. Paul. But uh, first, talk some college hockey. Uh, we've been unable to connect at the rink uh, the last couple of times that he's called UMV games on Friday nights for CBS Sports Network. So, kind enough to join us now, uh, live via the magic of telephone. Dave Starman, good morning, sir. Hello, Bruce. I'm sorry we couldn't connect at the rink. You know what it's like on game nights. I do, I do. I it's funny, cause it Friday, because we did the women's game as well. So, uh, that wraps up at like five ten or so. And I... So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, I should go get the line charts for the men's game. Oh, no, I had another hour to wait for those.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you what. If we got back every hour to hour and a half period of time between finishing what we need to do and the puck actually dropping at the end (laughs) of our lives, we'd all live another year and a half.
1: Probably, if not more, yeah. Uh, So you've seen the last couple of of UMD Friday games, as it were, because you've been there for CBS. Um, I want to get your impression of this Bulldog team that appears to not be going in the wrong direction.
2: I will tell you this. There's some there's some pretty good pieces that are in place there. The, the impression I get is that this is a bridge year into next year in terms of creating what Sandy wants this team to look like. And while I know that every defenseman is probably eligible to come back you're always going to have a guy or two that's going to jump into the portal. I know that there's depth coming in behind it, so I have a feeling some of that probably looks a little different next year. And I'm just hypothesizing, but I have a feeling some of it might look a little different next year. And, and but that core group that's going to come back to me probably represents what the future is going to look like. And, and like I said, there's there's some good pieces there, but are there are there holes in the lineup for sure? Are they not getting enough production out of some of their bigger guns? You could probably make that case because. Those older guys probably need to produce a little bit more. I will tell you one thing: that team works pretty hard, yeah. but it's it's not getting it's not getting rewarded for that for its efforts. And one of the things I think is it's I don't think UMD is just fast enough to play with some of the upper echelon teams in the conference. They're a good team, and they work, and they're they can play with good hockey sense. But it's interesting when you watch them back. When I watch a game back, or I'm doing a pre-scout on them, the one thing that jumps out at me is just the. The inability to win the seven or eight foot race to a puck because there are other teams in the conference that are just faster.
1: And it's 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 one of those things like they're, I, I feel like it's almost that it's the worst of two things. Like they're not the fastest team, so they're not winning a lot of those races. They're not the biggest team, so they're not winning the physical battles in a lot of cases either. And they're not because they're not fast, they can't necessarily put themselves in great positions to win those battles of smaller players.
2: It's a, it's a fair point, and here's the one thing that they do have going for them: they they work. Oh yeah. And and here's and the other thing is this: I mean, you, we could all go look at the goaltending, and you could pick on a goal here, and you could pick on a goal there. I don't think it's the goalies. Like I, I think School and Teese have been pretty good in the games that I've seen. You've seen more of them, so I would you agree. might have a better, yeah, you might have a better eye on that than I do. But the games that I've seen, and I've seen each of them play about three or four, they've been pretty good. So. Uh, but your point is is well taken. Like this is this is a day and age where yeah you do, you don't need a team where everybody's six two, but you need four or five of those six two guys that can go out and win a fifty fifty. You don't need a team of speed demons, but you need three or four guys that can get in and win a race and and control a puck so that the cavalry can come in and help and. And to, and to me, just comparatively to the rest of the NCHC, it's not there. But I get this feeling that come October, it's going to be.
1: <laughs> I, I don't disagree. Uh, Dave Starman, CBS <laughs> Sports Network, our guest. So, uh, you and you and I talked about this, and, and I think the general consensus is that it, by just looking at the raw number of, of faceoffs won and lost, can be maybe a little bit overrated. But UMD's dead last in the NCHC in faceoff percentage. And I think when you add in all these other issues that they're having, it becomes an even bigger problem because they're not starting plays with the puck.
2: It's something that we talk about a lot. And, you know, you know me, I'm kind of a faceoff nerd. And, you know, so I watch every faceoff a team takes the weekend before uh, I do their game just to see what they're doing. And and here's the other thing a lot of it's not just on the centers. Now, they are thin down the middle for obvious reasons. You know, they've had injuries, academic issues, and. They've got guys that are young kids playing center in the NCHC against bigger, older, stronger men. You look at a guy like Sullivan in Omaha. I mean, that, that guy could probably win face-offs in the National League with the way he takes them. So yeah, he's a horse. Upper, yeah, it's unbelievable. And so you've got some upper-end guys on the dot that are pretty good. But the secondary component is there, too. And that's what we talk about with winning those five- or six-foot races. And sometimes you get a scramble, and you just their guy beats your guy to the puck. And possessions is taken over. Also, you know, you factor in, I always factor in five percent for where you play lost draw. So you're gonna purposely lose the face off to try to get it back somewhere else. So those numbers can be skewed. But the bottom line for UMD to me on the dot has been the fact that they've got some younger kids who just don't have the the moxie, the savvy, or the cheat factor that some of the older guys do who know how to win face offs legally and illegally.
1: We're talking to Dave Starman, CBS Sports Network. Primarily UMD. We'll get to the NCHC race here in just a little bit. But uh, Dave, you've had a couple of looks at him now, and, and he's somebody that I I, he, I I mentioned on Saturday. Really impressive young guy. And then he spoke after the game, after the way that that thing ended. Any players that are asked to talk to the media, they get bon- they get brownie points from either when they do it the way that Matthew Perkins did. What do you think of, of what you've seen from Matty Perkins, who's just a freshman playing maybe an unnatural position in the middle, but I think he's acclimated himself pretty well
2: i find him to be dependable i find his care level to be extremely high like when i watch him the one thing i notice with him he's constantly looking around and that to me for a young player is a really good thing if you have a young player that's always looking around to see a the spatial awareness of where he is in proximity to where everything else is going on b where's his check c where is he in the defensive zone and is he in the right place or his wingers in the right place he does the same thing on draws he's always looking around to make sure everybody's where they should be, like there's a lot to like about this kid. And I think that between his hockey IQ and his skill level, wherever he sorts out in the lineup as his career moves along, he's going to be good. He's getting to learn trial by fire by playing in the middle, as we just referred to on a, on a team where there's a lot of young centers, maybe not in their natural positions and, and players that have been moving around and lack of continuity on lines because of injuries. But this kid I think has got something, and I think he is one of those players that when you talk about building the culture that those winning teams had late in the last decade, he's part of what could be that same culture that puts UMD back where they want to be.
1: I've seen some people call this a lost season. I don't think there's any such thing as a lost season, especially at this level, because you've got opportunities for guys to develop. And yes, it hasn't gone wins and losses-wise the way that we all wanted it to when this thing started. It, nobody wants to be seventh in, in, in an eight-team conference with three games, le- or three weekends left in the regular season. But how important are these last few weeks in, in terms of, you know, we've seen now he's got a, you know, they have three goals and five points here in, in four games since coming back from that injury that he had uh, in, in the Western weekend when you look at a guy like Perkins how important are these last few weeks in terms of continuing to develop offensive confidence I think it's the one thing that he he's not been able to do this year is put the puck in the net now he's starting to do it I gotta think that's a good sign
2: I'll tell you what the the last few games of this season and I know that you've got six games left in the year and then you've got two playoff games guaranteed right yep. and Sandy talks about hey we've got this guaranteed after that you got to go earn it I think for these last few games, for everybody, they're, they're really important. Because, number one, you're trying to set the tone for next year. The last thing you want to do is spend the entire summer thinking about how bad the end of the season was. It's just it's not a good thing, and it's negative energy. And you don't want it. So if you can finish out the season strong, especially for these younger kids who can take a little bit of a leadership role moving into next year, so that they can be counted on a little bit more and build up some dependability, and beat up, uh, build up some repeatability. I think for these guys, it's really, really important. Every game to be more important than the next for the core of this group that's going to put UMD back to where people aren't saying it's a lost season. And I do agree with you. No season in college hockey is a loss if it builds into the season ahead of it.
1: I would agree. All right, let's look at the rest of the NCHC where a hey, North Dakota getting swept by Colorado College I think shocked a lot of people. Well, I, Not that I didn't think CC could do such a thing. I wasn't sure North Dakota w- w- you know, was in a position to get swept by anybody. So now you've got a one-point lead for North Dakota on St. Cloud State, four on CC, six on Denver. That's your top four in Western sitting in fifth, only uh, two points back, a fourth place. And we've got a heck of a race here down the stretch dave
2: i will tell you this don't ever count out western michigan i no. know pat first where too well and jason Herter, you know extremely well mm-hmm. they, they never count out western i don't care where they're sitting so that's that's first and foremost but mo- you know moving ahead of that i don't think cc's coaching staff sat there in september and looked at each other and said all right so we're going to get 12 points out of north Dakota." <laughs> so we've got that to bank right i mean just it's it's unbelievable that it happened now on the CC side, like holy smokes, I said it on the air Friday night. If any team could be outside looking in, pairways, pairwise, and sweep through to get the auto bid, it's them. Like they would be the team I would bet on. That being said, we look at North Dakota. This is an interesting scenario for them because now all of a sudden they got to stare adversity straight in the face. Like they've got a big week of looking in the mirror to do, and they'd better like what they see back in it especially from some of the younger guys, because this is the test for them, in my opinion, as to whether or not they get over the hump or they finish the season gliding along and then just hope like hell it goes well in the playoffs. Because when you have the weekend that they had, and I know they put some shots on goal. I know Iberico was great. But the bottom line is they got swept on the road, and that's not something North Dakota deals with a lot. So this young core, I think for them, this is an important weekend for them to rebound from. They got UMD coming in pretty ornery. Like, this to me is much must-watch television this weekend between these two teams because you got the rivalry to start with, and you've got both teams coming in, and they're both going to be really torqued off.
1: Well, and I get, you know, let's not forget North Dakota took six points in Duluth in, in November. And I know that the, the Bulldogs weren't exactly thrilled with how that series went. So, you know, on top of being ornery in the short term, they're also ornery in the long term. And they're always ornery when they play North Dakota. And the, and the feeling seems mutual. It, these are similar teams, and these games sometimes get a little bit testy.
2: I will tell you that out of the corner of our eye, as we are in St. Cloud this weekend, <laughs> keeping an eye on that series for sure because that is always great entertainment. But I, I like the way the conference is shaking out. I I think it's typical, you know, with with the NCH. I think we've seen over the decade or so that the conference has been around. Nothing gets settled generally until the last couple of games, and then everything sorts out, especially in the middle. But when you've got a lot of really good teams, this happens, and. As Chris Mayotte said it best, coming out of the Big Ten as a coach and into the NCHC, because the Big Ten might have some higher-end players, but the nacho, the NCHC, has some higher-end teams. And I think you're seeing that once again this year with the quality of play and the quality of teams that the NCHC is producing. Uh, amongst the rest of the country.
1: A couple more for Dave Starman, CBS Sports Network. You mentioned uh, North Dakota losing these couple of games and, and looking in the mirror here this week, and you know, I, I look, think back to 2019 when when Saint Cloud was the one seed and, and lost to AIC in round one in Fargo, and I remember talking to Brett at some point during the summer or the lead up to the to the 1920 season, and I said it felt like you know you guys didn't really face any adversity all year And when you did there it, it was. It was just weird to watch because, in fact, there wasn't a response. But I, there was like there was guys that didn't know what to do because they hadn't faced that at all. And they, it was such an easy year for them as they, they cruised to the NCHC title.
2: I will tell you what uh, David Carl just talked about that this week in the lead up to the UMD games. He said last year we weren't playoff ready because the last stretch of the season for us went pretty routine It went pretty easy. Maybe it was too easy. We got into the playoffs and our guys just weren't ready for it and. You know, I called that regional when AIC beat St. Cloud. And I will tell you this. I liked St. Cloud's team that year. They were really, really good. They had a lot of really good veterans. And talking with those guys in the week leading up to that, that game, and obviously I've known some of those guys for four years. So, I mean, I can read them pretty well. And my feeling was they're confident. I'm wondering if they're a little overconfident. And they look like a team that hasn't been pushed yet. And, boy, did they get pushed and it didn't work well. And But I don't think that's the case in the NCHC. Like, I think that no matter what team – Four teams come through the frozen face-off and down the stretch and the whole bit. When you look at the strength of schedule and the schedule that all these teams are going to be playing, and, yeah, we do talk about they cannibalize each other a bit down the stretch, these teams are coming out so battle-tested because no team this year in the NCHC, no team, is complete 1 through 19 when it comes to their skaters. And to me, that's why this is an interesting year, and this is where I think the coaching – That is so good in this conference, becomes a huge factor because you've got a little bit of inexperience in key spots on everybody's lineup and how well that gets managed to me could lead a team to St. Paul. Uh,
1: and by the way, just to tell you how volatile the pairwise is, yeah, you know, yes, you know, it, Colorado College is going to jump a bunch of spots when they sweep North Dakota under those circumstances that, at any point, but uh going into the weekend, the NCHC had 3 in one on, and 2 on the bubble in in terms of the top 14, and right now they got 5 in the top 14, Saint Cloud State's up to 13th. So, uh, that that tells you how volatile the the pairwise is and that's going to bear watching too here down the stretch because the NCHC with a sixth on the bubble in Omaha, you could argue they got anywhere from three to six at this point to get in the NCAA tournament.
2: That's that's what makes the pairwise so so unique and that's why, you know, most people stop paying attention to the polls come November, is, is the pairwise obviously is the number. And you know, for the for these teams it once again, I mean, they're gonna keep playing each other. So that helps. Like it's you kind of hope that you go on the road and split every weekend because that should keep your pairwise numbers pretty good, especially if you're playing a team that is within it. But the bottom line is they all gotta to get to the frozen faceoff and get through it. And that, to me, is is as big a test as anything. And there are a lot of teams in the NCHC that I think have a really good chance to get to St. Paul.
1: Dave, enjoy the stretch run, my man. I appreciate this. You got it. Hey, I'll be keeping an eye on that Hermantown-Proctor game, too. Go Katie Sandlin. There you go. That's right. <laughs> Smart man. Dave Starman, CBS Sports Network. They'll be in uh, St. Cloud Friday night for Western Michigan and St. Cloud State. Bulldogs will be in North Dakota this weekend. Our coverage hits the air. At six thirty on Friday from Ralph Engelstad Arena, Proctor Hermantown coach Emma Staber after the news break ten twenty seven at KDL. This is the
0: Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. The University of Minnesota men's basketball team beat Rutgers last night at Williams Arena, eighty-one to seventy, improving to sixteen and nine overall and seven and seven in the Big Ten. We'll hear from head coach Ben Johnson
3: next. At Western National, nice is more than just a word. It's a movement. Nice is there when you call. Nice is sincere. At Western National, nice is the foundation of how we serve every customer, whether it's for your home, auto, or business. And don't we all deserve a little more nice in our lives? Ask your independent agent today for Western National Insurance and experience the power of nice
0: Gopher head coach Ben Johnson liked what he saw from his club last night against
4: a good Scarlet Knights team. I have a ton of respect for Coach and just how he runs his program, how they play, how they compete. You know, I think they're the, in my opinion, second hottest team in the league with winning four in a row. Um, So we knew, A, the game wasn't going to be pretty. Whoever could fight through that and be okay with that was probably going to win. And you had to bring toughness, both mentally and physically. And I thought our guys really did. And in the second half, I thought we let our defense carry us
0: sophomore center Pharrell Payne of Cottage Grove scored a career best 21 points and grabbed 11 rebounds
4: he was composed and to do it against uh you know Big Cliff who we all have a ton of respect for he didn't shy away he brought it to him he played with poise he played with confidence I thought he was possessed going to get rebounds and I think that started it I mean he lived on the glass got it with two emphatic strong rebounds um and that carried over you know he's a he's a good player. Uh, He's growing with each and every game, each and every moment, uh, just like our team is.
0: Next up for the Gophers is a Thursday night home game against Ohio State at the Barn. Tickets available at gophersports.com. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. Sound off with
1: Brad Bennett. Middays on KDAL. 1034, sunshine outside. Is it warm enough to walk the lake walk? All the life's questions that I've got to deal with. Anyway, as we continue on this Monday morning, Proctor Hermantown heads back to the Girls' State High School Hockey Tournament. We chat with the Mirage head coach, Emma Stauber, after a CBS News Update 1034, Bruce Siski Show on KDAL.
0: The Bruce Siski Show. You were literally too stupid to insult. Thank you. On 610 and FM 103.9, KDAO.
1: 1039 Lots to come this week. Tomorrow, UMV men's basketball coach Justin Wick Bulldogs host their home finale against St. Cloud State Wednesday. Dollar tickets for that doubleheader starting at 5:30 at umvbulldogs.com. Pack the gym to watch the Bulldogs and the Huskies on Wednesday night. Uh, also this week uh, we'll have UMV men's hockey defenseman Luke Bast. We'll have North Dakota coach Brad Barry, our friend Brad Schlossman, Grant Forks-Herald covering North Dakota hockey. We'll talk about their season. And uh, does he still go to the hot Dog stand in Colorado Springs that he's always talked about that I've still never seen once in my life? Anyway, uh, that's also coming up this week. And uh, Minnesota Wilderness coach Colton St. Clair, their cancer awareness weekend in Cloquet uh, this weekend against Janesville. Also this week, it is the first of the Winter Sports State Tournaments. It is girls hockey at Excel Energy Center in St. Paul. The only Northland representative, the Proctor Hermantown Mirage, fourth straight year as Section 7A champions. Their head coach is Emma Stauber. Good morning.
3: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for doing this. How are you? Good. How about you? I got nothing to complain about outside of the fact that it's Monday, but we'll get we'll get yeah. through it. It's all right. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to go wait. But before we get to your team, uh, I asked. I've been asking student athletes this question. I, I love it as an icebreaker. I've never had a chance to ask you. You played the game of hockey for a long time. You're a stobber for crying out loud. What is the first memory you have with skates on your feet and a hockey stick in your hands? Um, it was
3: my dad used to like freeze over a little part of our lawn um at the house that i grew up and that was that's my first memory um me and my brother would be out there skating together just in the front yard and um from there obviously it took off so that's that's a yeah pretty cool special memory
1: i'm I'm gonna guess this wasn't some intricate outdoor rink with boards and all that you just had ice
3: yep it was just ice
1: that's, that, that works. Uh, so four straight years going to state, uh, with, and this never, ever, ever gets old. Uh, how confident were you? How good did you feel about your team heading into that section final last week against the uh, Duluth Marshall?
3: No, we felt good. We felt confident. Um, we've been playing some really solid hockey the last um, couple weeks of the regular season, um, so that definitely helped. We were all kind of all on the same page. Um, obviously... We think the the game that we played them in the regular season where we were down um, 3-0 and came back was a pretty big turning point for us. It was a little bit of a weight off our shoulders at that point just because there's so much um, talk and chatter throughout the hockey community about you know them having a chance to win um, and beat us and make it to the state tournament. So it was just something we had to kind of just stay focused on um, these last couple weeks. But it was... I mean, defensively, we played probably one of the best games that we've played um, in the last few years as, as I've been coaching, so we were extremely proud of the girls for that. Um, and we knew we had to defend one of the top players in the state, so it, we needed to have that kind of game. Um, and then from there, we would be able to offensively um, execute as needed, but we needed to wear them down first and foremost.
1: Yeah obviously you, you know, you're a deeper team. You ran any you know, 3-4 lines whatever it was. You had three defensive pairs available to you. Marshall's got 13 skaters. You mentioned they've got one of the best players in the state. Also Lindeman is a Miss Hockey finalist and deservedly so after a 57 goal season. What were you able to do to to I mean she didn't get much going at all Wednesday night?
3: No, um that was that was our goal. We had to shut her down. We had to neutralize her um um and Basically, get her frustrated. So that was kind of our mentality—not in a cheap way or anything—but like you said, don't give her any time and space. Don't give her any opportunity to get momentum or get any chances um, at our net. And that's what we did. Um, and that's why I said we—the defensive game that we played—we stayed on the defensive side of her the entire game. We wore her down with our three lines. All three of our centers could handle her, um, and that was. That was our center's responsibility. They knew that heading into the game. Um, so it obviously worked in our favor. It worked the way that we needed it to so that we could take opportunities like our first two goals on the power play and execute um, to give us a lead. So it was basically just taking everything away from her and getting her frustrated, and, and it seemed to be um, what happened, especially with her drawing three penalties.
1: Talking to Proctor Hermantown, girls hockey coach Emma Stauber, heading to state for a fourth consecutive year. You scored four in the third period. Three of them came from seniors, but the first one didn't. The first one came from an eighth grader, Taylor Mannion. And I'm not gonna lie to you. So I've got I've got the roster on my phone, because I don't get to watch a lot of high school hockey, so I don't know the players all that well. I know Katie a little <laughs> bit, obviously. That's about it. We'll talk about her in a second, but um, I, so I look down at the. I'm like, oh, she's having a nice game, and then she scores the goal. I look down, eight, wait, there's no way this is right. An eighth grader, uh, Taylor Manny, tell me about the year she's had, and, and boy, it seems like she's had a really bright future.
3: Yeah, she does. She's just been extremely solid for us, um, someone that we can trust at all times in any situation. Um, this is her first season with the girls program, um, ours, but also just girls in general. She's been playing boys hockey up until this season, Um, so I think there's a mentality there with her where she doesn't get frustrated, she doesn't get, you know, nothing seems to bother her, she fights through anything, um, any adversity throughout the games, up and down um, season that we've had with the the teams that we've been playing, the top double A and single A, you know, nothing seems to rattle her, so we can put her in pretty much every situation needed. Um, Which is a wonderful thing to have as a coach. Um, But she's just been phenomenal. Like I said, so steady and um, playing at a level that, you know, our upperclassmen are playing at. So that's exciting, and like you said, her future—her um, future is so bright—and we're excited to have her in this program for the, the upcoming four years.
1: I thought Katie Sandlin was having a really good game Wednesday night. Uh, both sides of the puck, defensively and offensively, she moved the puck so well for you, you know, and, and gave you some opportunities to score earlier in that game that you guys couldn't take advantage of. It was nice to see her score that second goal. What kind of year has Katie had?
3: She is. She has turned into um, one of the, you know, most outstanding leaders that we've had on this program, and I know she's she's been a little frustrated just because she hasn't um, executed in the stat sheet or the stat column as much as she'd want to. But it's we've been trying to just keep her motivated. And hey, your first job is defense, and that offensive piece comes second. And she has been able to settle in that but then also show that offensive side especially with us putting her on the power play um, She's gained so much confidence in herself as a player she's had to fight through injuries over the last few years and this year it's really been nice it just seems like she hasn't had to worry about that um, and she's just been able to play and play with confidence and we also have had her paired with one of our um, another incoming um, defenseman, one of our freshmen. So she's been in a mentoring um, position and to be able to lean on her in that way has been, you know, outstanding. So she's just been tremendous this year on and off the ice as a leader. But like you said, offensively, it was so nice to see her contribute that way um, is something that we needed. So big game for her.
1: Yeah, up front, you know, you've got a couple of seniors that kind of lead the way for you. Izzy Fairchild's one of them. She's your leading scorer, and she scored one of those goals on on Wednesday nights in that third period, as, as you put up four. But you know, how important is we look at your senior group, and there's a lot of familiar names there, both forward and defense. How important is that experience factor when you get to this time of year? You guys don't shy away from anybody in the regular season. You play at all, pretty much all the top teams in A and AA were on your schedule you don't have a lot of wins against them but you've got a lot of tight games against them and now you're in the postseason it's winter go home and it seems like your group knows how to respond to that
3: yeah and that's kind of the, the reason why we have the schedule that we have is one. we want to elevate our game we want to be pushed we want to be challenged and see what we're made of how close we can um, compete with them and like you said they're close games so that that it's hard in the moment but at the end of the year when we're preparing for playoffs it's a you can take a step back and look at and say hey look how close we were we can play at this level we know what we need to do um and so those those situations and those scenarios have created our girls to be resilient and develop that kind of mentality heading into playoffs and it was kind of the same way through our through our section and it will be the same way at state um so we're excited to see what they they can do but definitely that leadership that we have like you said Izzy Fairchild um Haley Jussela Hannah Graves those three centers um have been just rock solid for us all year and they've built their lines and we've built our lines around them um and for to have the depth that we've had we have we have 18 years this year on the roster that just that that drive-in mentality and that, hey, we got one last chance, let's get it done kind of thought process has resonated with the rest of the team. So um, that was kind of what we had last Wednesday against Marshall. It was like, hey, we're getting this done. There's no other options. We're winning, and that's it. And I think heading into the tournament, we're going to have that same mentality the girls are, especially with World coming up on Wednesday.
1: Finishing up here with Proctor Hermitown coach, Emma Stauber, Warroad is the opponent, a very familiar one for you. You guys have played them a bunch over the years. You opened the season against them up in Warroad this year, a 2-1 Warroad win. Uh, thoughts on the Warriors and from what you know of this team, maybe a couple of keys for your group Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night, the last game of the day in St. Paul.
3: Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing is, again, we got to play defensively sound. They, they can always score. They always find a way. You can see that in their their section game, they were down 2 enough and I think it was heading into the third and they, they um, found three goals in that third period to get away with their section win. So um, we know they're always going to be a threat, especially in special teams. So we have to be prepared for that. But, um, I don't know, it just feels a little different this year um, with our group and, the and like I said, the mentality that we had going into our section final. I know the girls are going to have that same feeling on Wednesday like, hey, all right, this is enough. Let's get it done. We need this it's our turn to get a W against them. So um, I don't know, I think we're feeling pretty good. You now obviously we still have to play the game. We have to execute, we have to perform, but overall feeling is, you know, we can do this. It's nothing to be scared of at this point.
1: I always tell coaches at this point, enjoy the experience. I don't care how many times you go, it never does get old. Good luck Wednesday night and hopefully throughout a nice run at the state tournament.
3: Thank you so much. Appreciate thank it. Thank
1: you. Tell my kid to do something productive, would you?
3: <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right,
1: thank you. Emma Stauber, head coach of the Proctor-Hermantown Mirage, 8 o'clock Wednesday night, the last game of the day against Waro, the 4-5 matchup in the Class A Girls State Tournament Excel Energy Center in St. Paul. Thank you, Sanju. Sanju, Sanju Pilaris, proud sponsor of the show, 1051 at KDAL.
0: Your Twin Ports home for Twins baseball. In the corner, goal! KDAL.
1: 1059 Monday morning. We are busy. UMV men's basketball coach Justin Wick on the radio show tomorrow. Home finale Wednesday versus St. Cloud State. It's a doubleheader with dollar tickets at umvbulldogs.com. Yes, you heard that correctly. Dollar tickets for a couple of really good division two basketball games up at Romano. On Wednesday, we'll preview that with Justin tomorrow on the radio show. Brad and Kenny are up next with Sound Off. Have a great Monday. Thanks for listening.
0: This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no, well.